So I'm going to read from Genesis chapter 8, picking up at verse 6 through to verse 17. Genesis chapter 8, picking up at verse 6. This is uh, Noah and his family and all the animals have been in the ark and uh, they're beginning to look out for dry land. At the end of 40 days, Noah opened the window of the ark that he had made and sent out the raven and it went to and fro until the waters were dried up from the earth. Then he sent out the dove from him to see if the waters had subsided from the face of the ground. But the dove found no place to set its foot and it returned to him on the ark for the waters were still on the face of the whole earth. So he put out his hand and took it and brought it into the ark with him. He waited another seven days and then again he sent out the dove from the ark and the dove came back to him in the evening and there in its beak was a freshly plucked olive leaf. So no one knew that the waters had subsided from the earth. Then he waited another seven days and sent out the dove and it did not return to him anymore. In the 601st year, in the first month, on the first day of the month, the waters were dried up from the earth and Noah removed the covering of the ark and looked and saw that the face of the ground was drying. In the second month, on the 27th day of the month, the earth was dry. Then God said to Noah, go out of the ark, you and your wife and your sons and your sons' wives with you. Bring out with you every living thing that is with you of all flesh, birds and animals and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth so that they may abound on the earth. And God said, be fruitful and multiply. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And Father, I just pray that your words would resound in our hearts and what is of me would fall away and that you would speak to us and reveal who you are, reveal who we are in you, and reveal who you're calling us to become. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as I said uh, at the start of this service, we are returning from exile And today and the next two weeks, uh, myself and Jim are going to be speaking about returning from exile, really as we as a church begin to reopen, begin to reconnect. Uh, We come out blinking in the daylight of real life and we seek to, uh, I guess, just get used to that weird thing of being together in person and yet living with the limitations that we have. And... um, and it's kind of it's kind of weird. It's Sunday the sixteenth of March, which is nearly six months ago. Sunday the sixteenth of March, I stood in our church, and we were a bit thin on the ground because people had heard about coronavirus and were starting to stay away. And I said, "See you next week, guys. Uh, we'll probably put something out online for those of you who don't want to come." And then Thursday that week, bang. All the churches closed and Sunday the 22nd of March was our first church online, you know, five and a half months ago and here we are. And as September rolls in, 
we are beginning to return, to open up and to reconnect. And there's a ton of things that we're excited to share with you on Thursday at our Vision and Update Night. But tonight, I just wanted to just share uh, today, just wanted to share a bit prophetically, almost what, what I sense God is saying at this time. Uh, and just almost, I guess, give an overview as we begin just a different phase of life. And, uh, you know, as we've been away, we've been relegated, we've been exiled to our homes, we've not met in person in any large numbers for over six months. What have we learned? What has God been doing? How's it been for us? The truth is, everybody I speak to, their experience of lockdown, of this whole season that we've lived through, is so diverse. I've spoken to some who have loved it, (laughs) and they've slightly been a bit sheepish and said, you know, we don't want to tell anybody because we know some people are struggling, but we've actually loved this time. Um, They've, you know, some have found it really fruitful and enjoyed it. Some have really struggled. Some have found it a real challenge. You know, some, some have been, uh, I guess, resting and realised that life before this was too busy. Some um, have found the opposite and have been... <laughs> Andrew White, who's our new head of operations, um, he uh, is just starting with us and had just finished, um, wound down his previous work as he begins with us. Anyway, he said to me a week or so ago, he said he's authored a book called The Ruthless Elimination of Boredom. <laughs> he said, I'm so ready to crack on and change the world. Um, and that may be our experience for some of us watching this, that actually we're, we're ready to get our teeth stuck into something. Some have really suffered and found this tricky. And, you know, in terms of faith, some people have loved the space to be with God. And some, you know, if we're being honest and they're being honest, have found this a real challenge. And it's really been difficult to keep going, to feel connected to the Lord. And there's, there's such a diversity, you know, standing back from this, looking at society and the messages that we all pick up through the media and online. I don't know, just the overall tone seems to have been a lot of confusion, a lot of anger, a lot of division, a lot of shrill voices, you know, proclaiming their version of how they see it very loudly at other people. You know, to our shame, I think just standing back, you know, the church nationally and globally has also been a bit like that. And I feel God's grief in that, you know, from a church perspective that, you know, um, again, I'm not speaking per se of us locally, but just you'd think that when the chips were down in a time like this, that Christians and the church would really unite and come together and be known for being rich in mercy and love and kindness. And there's been so many wonderful things that God has been doing and people have done, but just standing back and listening to the messages, there's a lot of confusion, a lot of, a lot of division. And, and I guess sort of standing back from all this, um, you know, 
trying to think about, you know, what's been going on. We, we've been talking about a reset as a church and, you know, the world has been talking about having that space to reset. And I think when, when you have a reset, I think if you're trying to follow God, there are three really important questions to process with him. The first question is, when things are disrupted, things are transitioning, things are uncertain, the first question is, Lord, who are you? To take the time in a reset to sit before God and to really understand and ground ourselves. Who are you, Lord? Show me who you are. And of course, he's unchanging and he doesn't hide his nature from us, but he does choose to reveal aspects of his character and who he is at different times and seasons. Lord, who are you? And really from from the answer to that question, the second question in a reset is, Lord, who am I? You know, why am I here? You know, what, what is my core identity you know, as I'm living through a resetting time, you know, what, what are the sort of storylines running through my heart in terms of who I am under you and in you? And then the third question is, arising from those first two, is what am I here for? What are you calling me to? What's my purpose? And I, and I think... If anything, this time has given us a space to process these with God under the Holy Spirit's voice and and leadership. Now, as I say that, I'm aware that some of us feel like, even though we've been through this last six months, I haven't had the time to really listen to God. Well, I just want to bring those questions to us, really for us to process with the Lord individually. Who are you, Lord? Who am I? And what am I here for? Because I think we're still in a time where we are not back to normal if we ever will be back to normal. And so I just want to encourage all of us, just take the time to process those questions with God. And if you feel like you're not hearing him very clearly, then find somebody who is, who looks healthy and mature and full of love and full of the Spirit of the Lord and ask them to help discern for you what God is saying on those questions. But what I want to do um, is not share individually for me, but to share for us as a church, share for us as a community here in Chanctonbury. Really corporately, corporately being the corpus, the body of Christ, Who? what are our answers together as church to those questions? Lord, who are you? Who are you showing yourself to be to us as Chanctonbury in this moment, in this season that we're in? Second question, out of who you are, who have you formed us to be? Who have you called us to be as your sons and daughters? And third, what are we here for? What's our purpose? And I want to frame that in, I was um, just seeking the Lord and um, just praying, you know, a few weeks back, you know, Lord, what are you doing in COVID? You know, what are you doing on planet Earth right now? What are you doing in the church? 
you know, what are you doing, Lord? And, and just trying to lock into his heart and just to sit, seek him for wisdom and understanding and, and revelation. And uh, as, soon as, as soon as I began to really pray earnestly, you know, got all my stuff and my to-do list out of my head, but as soon as I began to press into him, I, I was taken suddenly into um, a vision, but it was like I was standing on the ark that we've just heard about in the story of Noah and the ark. And I was standing on the deck of the ark as Noah was sending out the birds. And he sends first the raven, and then he sends the dove. And um, the dove returns and it brings an olive branch and uh, as a sign and token of what it had discovered. And then again, Noah sends the dove and it doesn't return to him. And it was like I was, I was on the ark, you know, floating above the earth and just living that biblical story out. And, you know, I could feel the air. I could, you know, feel like I could taste the moisture on the, on the wind. Um, I felt, felt like I'd feel the dove just alighting and, and bringing that olive branch um, and 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 really just uh, and then I kind of you know came out of it and um, and carried on praying and I felt like God was saying you know to the church and to us and you know I'm not hugely in a position to speak more widely than us as a church locally but I was asking the Lord about what he's doing in the church of the big C. I just felt like the church is in the position of Noah and the spirit of God is coming to us, but to lead us to dry land. And if you think about the story of Noah and the flood, it's actually one of the few places in scripture where the same event happens to the whole planet at the same time. Similarly to COVID, you know, very rarely in human history has one event at the same time had virtually identical impact and consequences on the whole of the planet at the same time. Now, a tiny bit of context, there are some key differences between Genesis 8 and Noah and the flood and what we've been living through in terms of COVID as, as planet Earth. A couple of major differences. Number one, God did send the flood in Genesis 8 and we are really crystal clear in our belief biblically that this side of the crucifixion of Jesus, that we do not believe that God sends bad stuff to teach the planet a lesson. In fact, thinking about the flood of Noah, he says when they come out of the ark and they begin you know, their new lives in a whole new world. God says, I'm going to make a covenant with you that never again will I flood the earth. And the sign, as you remember from Sunday school, uh, the sign will be a rainbow. But what, what was going on is that God's, God's grief and, and wrath at the brokenness of the earth caused him to send the flood and to start again. And a few you know, Noah and his family and his son and their families uh, and obviously the animals were saved and they were released on the other side of that to step into a brave new world. They were sent again and commissioned to, as we heard at the end of the reading, 
be fruitful and to multiply. And, you know, the second sort of key difference um, for us is very quickly as they step out of the ark onto the earth and start living again, it all goes wrong very quickly. You know, very shortly afterwards, we have the, the terror of the Tower of Babel and utter sort of, you know, futility uh, again because in Genesis chapter 8 and in the flood of Noah, they haven't received from the Lord the gift of Jesus, which by tr- faith and trust in him resolves the problem they had, which caused things to go wrong very quickly after the ark came onto dry land. The fickleness and deceit and darkness of the human heart, which Jesus, when he came as one of us, by taking all of that, which we call in church word sin, into himself on his shoulders in the cross, dealt with that. And so by faith and trust with, in him, power of sin and the liberation of the human heart and the freedom to live the life God has always called and purposed every one of us to live is now made possible not because we're wonderful and full of faith but because of Jesus and all he's done for us which is freely given to us that we simply access by faith and as God's gift and his grace in our lives anyway That aside, what I felt God saying is, in this time where the whole earth has been living under the flood of a pandemic, covered by this, that the church is being visited by the presence of the Holy Spirit, who is bringing signs of the new world on the other side of this, signs of the new world in the olive branch, to us to begin to teach us and lead us to the new world, the dry land, the other side of this that God wants us to discover and to learn. Now let me just sort of apply that according to those three questions. Do you remember I was saying, who are you, Lord? Who am I and what are we here for? Who are you, Lord? I think one of the key things God wants to reveal about his nature and is revealing right now is that he, the Lord, is a restorer. He is one who cannot help because this is who he is, makes all things new. God takes broken things and he heals them and restores them. God takes broken lives and he makes them new in him. God is the one who, as a, as a father, receives the prodigal and restores him and makes him new. God is a restorer pleading with the judgmental elder brother in Luke 15 to plead with him to make him new. God is the one who restores the woman who menstruates and who bleeds for 12 years and he makes her new and he releases her in acceptance in society by declaring her faith has made her clean. He restores her. God is the one, as the prophet Joel said, who restores the years the locusts have devoured. 
And, you know, for us as a church, one of the things that God has called us to is to anticipate, to welcome the kingdom of heaven. And part of the kingdom becoming a reality here is how is when God releases revelation of his restoring, healing, making broken things new, heart and power to do so. If you think about where we live, you know, he's been doing it in our spiritual history. You know, a few decades ago, we were known geographically as a place of real darkness. But God has been restoring that. He's been putting it back together. He's been healing our land. And he has been making this land new and been graciously releasing his presence and his glory so that people are finding God in this place. God's been doing it in the lives of individuals, in families, in marriages, in households. You know, that awesome story we heard about Sally, you know, is where God, again, is restoring her from a really bleak moment and making her new, restoring her life, sending her forth. And and I think, you know, as we look at the days, um, weeks, months, maybe years ahead, I think God really wants us to catch this in his heart because for us as church, he wants us to play a new role in community, in society. And if you listen to all the economic, community, societal predictions, uh, whether you should or not on the media and all of that, there's going to be some tough times ahead. And so for us as the church of Jesus to carry his heart of being a restorer, of making things new, is going to be absolutely crucial and prophetic in the, the months and years ahead, I believe. You know, for any of us here who are listening to this, as I was saying earlier, if you've had a tough time, do you know, we've said a few times, and probably not enough, we are called to be a shame-free church. And what that means is that we are disciplining our hearts not ever to be judgmental, not ever to be cruel in our hearts, because we're very nice, um, but always to allow people to get free of shame by just being honest and coming to a father who loves to restore. So I just want to say, if you need a new start and a second chance, or maybe you need a 48th chance, I want to proclaim the good news is that God loves to restore. He loves to make our lives new. And I think that's what he wants to reveal right now. Who are we in him? Who are we? Well, I think uh, we've been trying to recover from this, but if you think corporately about the church with a big C, very often Christianity has almost been a bit like Noah's Ark, trying to float above the chaos of the world, not really knowing how to deal with the world very well sort of floating above it and hoping eventually to just be liberated from the darkness of the world and to get to heaven and be with Jesus. 
some of the things that scripture teaches us about who we are are not just 21st century self-esteem, you know, little tweets that make us feel better about ourselves. They are eternal, historical, factual truth because of what Jesus Christ has done and won for us. As Sally said earlier in her story, Jesus has paid the price and it is done. And part of that means for you and I that we really are sons and daughters of the living God. We're children of our Father. We've been saved by Jesus. And the truth of that, resounding in our hearts, means that you and I are called to be restorers. Now I think one of the things sort of standing back from just the immediacy of of everything that's going on in life is that this last six months has shown us that even the historic glacial moving church of Jesus uh, can discover technology and Zoom and streaming and online and every church up and down the land has been bumped into using technology. But what happens so often is the church lags 30 or 40 years behind culture and it always does. And what happens because the church is often so full of worldliness it's often playing catch up to try and appease or make itself more attractive to the society around it Uh, one of my sort of favourite classic West Wing quotes is um, uh, the anecdote about the French radical the French radical stood in the street as the crowd rushed by and exclaimed with a loud voice there go my people. I better find out where they're going so that I can lead them. <laughs> and, you know, so often the church has lagged behind where people outside the church are and doing its level best to sort of catch up. But we're often 20, 30 years late to the party. Well, what I feel like we're in as a time is still a time of listening to the Lord. Even as we reopen church and begin to get going, This we're still in this season where COVID is still around and, and I feel like God is still wanting us to lean into his heart because I think what he wants to do is to send the Holy Spirit to bring signs of the new world, the dry land that he's calling us to inhabit. Now, what I mean by that is, wouldn't it be amazing if the church, and I'm, I'm talking about our church as well, so you guys who are prophetic, I say that over us all because we're all called to prophesy. You know, this I believe is still a listening time to lean into the heart of God for the transformation of the world. And what I mean by that is, I think God is, God is wanting to show us revelation so that we can receive from the Lord who we are, how he's calling us to live so that we can live in an utterly unculturally relevant but prophetic way of the culture and kingdom of heaven.
And I think we've been beginning to lock into this a bit, but I think there's a bit of, bit of a, a way for us to go. We've, through this lockdown period for us as a church, I think we've discovered the primacy of the household being the heartbeat for living faith rather than relying on the larger corporate gathering. We'd be re- rediscovering that we want God to be so present in our homes, in every home and in every household, however big or small that you are. Secondly, I think I'd like to almost, how do I term this? Maybe we were all too busy, but not fruitful enough. You know, Jesus said, didn't he? He told us how to be fruitful. Jesus said, abide in me and you will bear much fruit. You know, and, and as a church, we actually really love abiding in the Lord. But actually, just 21st century life is just so fast that it just cripples connection unless we are radically intentional about staying aligned and in God's heart and his presence every moment of every day. From busyness to fruitfulness, I think is probably a journey of of discovery there. And I I think there's something about um, being wise to the ways of the world and knowing how to live free of the world in anticipation of the kingdom that is calling us to discover. And so who are we? We're called to restore. And I think what that means is he's calling the church now not to be an ark floating above society, but he's calling us to discover the new world that he wants us to live out so that we can offer that and bring that to the world. And, you know, that all sounds very grandiose and whatever, but just trying to earth that, just think about our communities where we live. You know, what, what if actually we really took seriously the challenge to look at possessions differently and to share and to, to walk in generosity? What if we really moved to a place where there was none in need amongst us? What if we actually nailed every one of us, our identity in the Lord so that we weren't blown around by experience or intimidation or demonic or ungodly atmospheres. But we were able to just release the kingdom in every moment. What if we love so deeply that we were just so radical at forgiveness and mercy? What if we began to just reimagine some of the things that shape society, the stories, education, film. You know, we began to just re-articulate beauty and holiness and sacredness just in a way that the church used to centuries ago. Now I say these things, but there comes a point where you and I need to start writing and we need to start praying for people and we need to start giving our possessions away. And, and, and so all these things sound wonderful, but I think what God is calling us to is he's calling us to just say, yeah, I'm going to do it, I'm in. And just start and just begin at the same time 
as leaning in saying, Lord, what are those what are those tokens? What are those olive branches, those signs of a new world that you have for us to step into and inherit that you want to teach us in this time and continue to teach us in this period? And what are we here for? I, I just sense such a sharpening on the church and a sharpening in terms of it's amazing what we've managed to innovate in six months. But I've been thinking to myself, okay, what if actually we just sharpened and overcame those things that just made us slower in real time? Whether it's, I don't know, not taking things as seriously as we should, not, not enough urgency. I don't mean drivenness, I mean urgency about how to redeem and restore the world that we're living in. What are we here for? We're here to actually be the light of the world. We're here to actually live something different. And we're here to tell people about Jesus, who is the way, the truth, and the life. And I think, you know, if there's anything that I could just say, I think this sharpening of why am I here? Do you know what? I'm here simply to be Jesus to share Jesus and to follow Jesus. You know, and that's all of us. You know, it's me in my role, but but it's all of us as church. You know, every single one of us just a sharpening. You know, what if we just decided to do away with our fears and anxieties? What if we decided just to tell the next person we saw about Jesus <laughs> and just to love them as deeply as we can? And just to ask Father for a word of knowledge for them. And what if we just knocked on our neighbour's door and said, do you know what? This has been a crazy time, but I just want to share God with you. Do you know, so many times when I share faith, I don't get punched on the nose. And that's our fear of utter rejection. But this is a time where God is sharpening us for the sake of his kingdom. You know, it's interesting, when, when God says something three times, we really should pay attention. And in Genesis chapter 8, verse 17, God says, be fruitful and multiply. In Genesis 9, verse 1 and Genesis 9, verse 7, God says, be fruitful and multiply. Now, we've, we've been blessed by the Lord to be growing through this lockdown period and I know it sounds crazy but myself the leadership team here we are expecting not because we're amazing but we are expecting to come out of COVID stronger as a church I don't mean more proud or cocky stronger mature more rooted and and bigger not because we love big for big sake, but bigger because we're just growing. We're just seeing people added to the Lord's number. People coming to know Jesus. We are appointing staff and we are setting ourselves to grow. And I think God, as we begin to receive these signs of the new world and step into what he has for us, for the sake of the world, God wants us to know his command 
not his invitation, his command to us as a church. Be fruitful and multiply. Be fruitful and multiply. And let me just say, you know, in this day and age where sometimes we can get a little bit nervous about growth and and whatever, no one's getting off on this. You know, no one's wanting to build a big church for the sake of it. We're wanting to see God reach as many lives as possible through our lives and allowing him to be who he wants to be. The restorer of the broken, the one who makes all things new. We, we believe God is calling us to be fruitful and to multiply. And I just want to pray that as a declaration over your life as an individual, over us as a church, that we're going to emerge from this period, crazy as it sounds, when you know we're all living under limitations, there's so many challenges, economic, spiritual, emotional, lifestyle, whatever. God is showing us a new way of being. He's wanting to visit us by his Holy Spirit. Keep listening to him. Root ourselves in. Get us ready to step out into our communities, into this land, and to be fruitful and to multiply. All right? So I was, uh, let me just sort of finish finish with with this um if luke christian farm was here he would probably say james don't do this <laughs> or any of our musos i'm going to finish with a song <laughs> and um this is probably terrible because i haven't got the best voice and there are loads of better people with musical voices um but hey you know when I when I got saved by the Lord, I knew that he was calling me to be a fool for Christ. So here we go. Anyway, um, I was just up on the downs and I found myself singing this song. I don't know if I wrote it or whatever, but it just goes, it's very simple. And I just want to bless you with it as we just set our sights on Jesus afresh together this autumn. The words are very simple. We say yes, Lord. We say yes, Lord, to all you are and all you do. We say yes, Lord. 